Hello and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It's Thursday, and we do unusual and creepy shows on Thursday, so that's what we're going to do. But I want to say that this is the beginning of a 10-episode series of the Good Old Days of Radio Show, where we're going to focus on the work of Arch Obler, the great horror writer for radio, as well as the, a patriotic writer, an unusual writer. Um, Arch Ober was one of CBS uh, Radio's boy geniuses when it came to creating all kinds of unusual things. He's most known for Lights Out, of course, but uh, he had a show called Arch Obler's Plays, which we will sample an episode of that. He had a show called Every Man's Theater, which we will sample one of those. And also, um, he wrote for The Shadow, so we have an episode of The Shadow that Arch Obler wrote for Orson Welles, which is particularly strange and unusual, much different than your normal episode of The Shadow. Uh, and of course, we have uh, a guest, a special guest, uh, coming up in a week or two, who actually worked with Arch Obler and was on the, a few of those shows as a young boy actor in Hollywood. And he has graciously consented to be my guest on the Good Old Days of Radio show uh, and talk about working with Arch Obler and what it was like to do that back in the 19, early 1940s. All right, so a little bit of background on Arch Obler. He was a um, very kind of tiny man, kind of balding, and he wore little round John Lennon-style glasses, little round glasses, and he got his start at... Uh, about 1935, when he, along with Willis Cooper, uh, those regular listeners to this show will know how much I like Willis Cooper. Willis Cooper uh, wrote Quiet, Please. Uh, but Willis Cooper started off with Arch Obler uh, creating Lights Out in Chicago. They quickly attracted big-name guests. Boris Karloff appeared on a number of the shows. And Arch Obler's goal with each of his Lights Out programs was to try to outdo the previous week, to be a little bit more gory and a little bit more scary each week. And you can hear it in the way the shows go, because he tested the limits of the censors back then and created some of the most gruesome sound effects that were ever done for radio and really did <laughs> make people afraid to listen to his program. It, it was popular, but not popular enough. I think the stories were just a little bit too on the gruesome side for a lot of the audience. And so while Lights Out was very popular with a certain segment of the population, a lot of people wouldn't listen to it. <laughs> so uh, you're going you're gonna to hear some examples of why as we, as we do this. We've played some Lights Out shows in the past. Uh, we've played some really good ones. And so we, and we have a few really good ones left to play, and I saved them for this series. So that's the story of Arch Obler. Very quickly, and I've told this before, but since we're doing a salute to Arch Obler, I'll tell it again. I knew Arch Obler. I met him on multiple occasions. He used to be at a lot of the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters luncheons in Hollywood when I would go to those. And he was a, a guest at least once or twice at Spurdvac. Uh, he also would appear at Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters Nostalgia Nights and all that. Um, one time I brought him a book. It was a book of his plays that was published in 1939. I brought him a book and asked him to sign it. And he did. He took his pen and he signed it and handed it to me. And 
I walked away. I opened the book and I read it, and it, it here's what he wrote. He said, to John, may you forgive me for the pixie that suddenly danced within my soul. Now, I have no idea what that was about, but that's Arch Obler. He would always come up with really unusual things to say and do. He was hilarious to talk to because he had a wicked sense of humor and was really... Um, really one of those type of people that would, even though he had this really gruesome dark side, he also had a very humorous side. And that comes out in a few of the plays. And in fact, a couple of things that we're going to hear are on the more lighthearted side. Um, one of them would be, and I'll just tease this a little bit, in 1937, he wrote a skit for Mae West to appear on the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show. And the skit he wrote was the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with uh, Mae West playing Eve. And he really kind of uh, went up to the line with the censors on that one too, with some of the jokes in the show. And Mae West was banned from radio forever after that program. Uh, I think they let her back in the 50s, but <laughs> all throughout the 30s and 40s, she was banned from radio because of that skit that Arch Obler wrote for her. And the lines themselves are not necessarily that suggestive, but it's the way she delivers them that turn it into uh, quite an earful for radio in 1937. So we'll get to that. That's one of the 10 episodes. So now I've teased the whole thing, and we're going to go right into an episode of Lights Out. This is a perfect example of Arch Obler's uh, kind of gruesome, crazy stuff. Title of the show is He Dug It Up. Okay, so February 9th, 1943, uh, He Dug It Up. So here we go, and we'll have some more to say when we get to the end of it. Ironized Yeast presents Lights Out. Everybody. Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Obler with quite a cold. The idea for tonight's story, the strange story of He Dug It Up, came to me a few years ago when I was in England, pre-war England. I lived in a hotel overlooking a peaceful garden, and looking down into that bit of quiet, I, I strangely thought of death. But first, Frank Martin with a word. If you're thin and jittery, run down and always tired, if you envy your peppy, popular, successful friends and wonder what they've got that you haven't got, why, maybe it's only more vitamin B and iron. Yes, today thousands may suffer from deficiencies of these vital substances. Yet when you need them, there's such an easy way to get more of them. Simply take ironized yeast tablets. They're the famous two-way tonic that gives you both vitamin B and iron. So when you need them, ironized yeast helps two ways to... Step up your weight and pep and sparkle, your enjoyment of life. Jot that name down now, Ironized Yeast Tablets. And now, Lights Out, Everybody. 
It is a nice day. <laughs> yes, I agree with you, Mr. Sparrow. It's as nice a day as I, too, have ever seen. <laughs> I remember a day like this when I was about 12. Mother took me into London to see the King's Palace. If that was Edward. And I had on a green suit and I... <laughs> but that wouldn't interest you now, would it, Mr. Sparrow? Funny, I never went back. Less than a hundred miles away, and I... Morning, never... Mr. Uh, Jeffrey. Uh, oh, oh, good morning, Mr. Elkins. Here, Mr. Jeffrey. Oh, kind of late in the season to be planting now, ain't it? Oh, I, I wouldn't exactly say that, Mr. Elkington. Not for what I'm planting. Now, what would that be, might I be asking? A tree, my friend. Oh. A nice, strong catapa tree. My son sent it to me all the way from Exeter. You don't say catapa tree. Well, now. I say, could I be giving you a hand with that shovel, Mr. Jeffrey? No, 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 thank you kindly. I like to dig in the soil, and the exercise does me good. Thank you kindly. Oh, well, then I'll be off on my business, Mr. Jeffrey. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mr. Erkington. Good morning. Well, it is a good morning. The rain certainly softened you up, didn't they, Mr. Crown? Nice and soft. Nice and soft. <coughs> Going to dig you a nice deep hole, Mr. Catalpa. Ah. Nice deep hole. So that your roots will have a good firm start in life. Yes, indeed. Ah. Well... That's not the way to act, Mr. Ground, throwing big boulders in the way of my shovel. Mm. <clears throat> Mighty big stone, too, from the sound of it. <clears throat> Dig you up, Mr. Boulder. If it takes me a week, yes, indeed. <clears throat> big stone, all right. Keep after it, that's all. <laughs> Buried all these years in the corner of my garden and I never knew about you, now, did I? <laughs> there. There, that's showing results. Hmm. Yeah. Like an oblong. <laughs> that's queer. Big flat oblong stone in my garden. <laughs> Dig you up. That's what I'll do. Dig you up. Yes, indeed. Oh, Mrs. Gracie. Mrs. Gracie. Yes, what is it? Mrs. Gracie, come out here. You've got to come out. All right, all right. Now, what in creation is it, Mr. Jeffrey? Mrs. Gracie, look. Look. Land sakes alive. What kind of a hole for a tree is that? <laughs> Don't see why in the world. Look, I tell you. Is, is it a coffin? Coffin? That size and out of stone? Then what would a coffin be doing in my garden? I never heard of anyone being buried here. It's much too big. Mrs. But... Gracie, I got it. What? Roman. The Romans left it here. Romans? Don't you understand? The Romans, the Romans invaded and lived in Britain over 1,500 years ago. They left it here. Nobody like that lived around here and... 
Don't you tell me anything different, Mr. Jeff. But I am telling you, a Rome is a copyist. Now, Mr. Jeff. Oh, never mind. Mr. Robinson, uh, run over and get Mr. Robinson here. Tell him to bring a couple of men. We've got to dig this thing up. We've got to dig it up? Mr. Jeffrey, it's the sun that struck your head. Now, don't stand there lecturing me. Mr. Robinson, hurry, get him. No, no, I won't. What? Not you, to you... dig it up, I won't. To bury it deeper, yes, but not to dig it up. Mrs. Coffin or one of them heathen, whatever you call it, it makes no difference. If it's been buried here all these years, then I, I say cover it over and let it be. There's some things best left deep under the ground. All right, all right, ma'am. Are you ready with the ropes? Uh, ready, Mr. Robinson. Right you are. How about you, Joe? All ready, Mr. Robinson. Good. Now, when I give the signal, one, two, three, you on that side of the rope pull, while you on the other side work on the block and tackle. One... Two and up on three. Have you got it? Aye, we have it. Oh, Mr. Robinson, you will be careful. I, I mean not to damage. Now, I mean, look here, please, friend Jeffrey. I've been in the building and excavating trade and constable of this township for 20 years. And all that time, I've given only one thing and that's satisfaction. Yes, sir. Now, as for this little stone container... Little Judas priest man is ten foot by three and heaven knows how heavy. Well, true as that may be to my way of thinking, it's still a small job. You're worried about my damaging it. You're free to call in one of oh, my no. competitors. No, 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 Mr. Robinson. I want you to handle the matter. Oh, yes, yes. Indeed. All right, then stay clear and I'll give the order. Hey, now, wait, wait. If you please, Mr. Robinson, wait. Eh? That housekeeper of mine, Mrs. Gracie, hmm? she wouldn't want to miss the doings, and I don't know where she's gone off to. If, if now, you'd only Mr. wait. Now, Mr. Jeffrey, I'm a busy man, so if you'll just stand aside. Uh, now, please. All right, men. Now, don't pull until I give the signal. One, two... Three, up with it, up, easy there, Joe. Bring those ropes over the left, up with it, up with it. Steady there, not too fast, you fool. Sam, get ready to put on red, easy now, Joe. No, 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 don't, don't, don't swing it too high, not too high. Are you, Dad? Not too high, or is it... No, no, put it back in the ground. Put it back in the ground, I tell you. Mrs. Gracie, what in the way? Get out of the way. Put it back in the ground, in the ground. It wasn't in the ground, it belongs. Mr. Jeffrey, I'm going to... Get out of the way. Jeffrey, get that woman out of the way. Mr. Gracie, are you crazy? Get your woman. Get away. My men can't hold it. Tackle it's slipping. Look out. Look out. Get on those rounds. Get on those ropes. Let's hurry now. Hurry. Get over here. Get over here. Coffin fell right on top of her. Coffin fell right on top of her. Oh, Mrs. Gracie. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I think you'll agree when an ancient stone coffin buried for centuries in a peaceful English countryside becomes an instrument of sudden death. Well, it's time for a deep breath and let our well-stretched imaginations move back into hope again as we turn our thoughts to something that perhaps is your problem. Could this be you saying to your children... Listen, you kids, I'm tired. This war job has got me down. Now keep quiet, you hear me? Oh, Joe, don't be so cross to the children. Come eat your good supper and you'll feel better. Cross? Who's cross? I'm tired, I tell you. I'm too tired to eat. I'm too tired to sleep. All I ask is a little peace, and you keep my nerves on edge with your nagging. No wonder I'm getting thin as a rail. Oh, now, mister. Don't be so quick to blame your family or your job. Maybe all that's to blame is vitamin B and iron shortage. You say you're thin and tired and jittery? Well, 
When you don't get enough vitamin B from the food you eat, you may lose your appetite. You may eat so poorly that you lose weight and lose your pep. Why, you may not even get all the good out of what you do eat. And when you don't get enough iron from your food, you may be weak and pale, feel only half alive. Well, if that is my trouble, can I help it? Yes, sir, I think you can. And here's the quickest, easiest way I know. Take ironized yeast tablets. They're the famous two-way tonic that gives you both vitamin B and iron. Yet they cost but a few pennies a day. And these pleasant little tablets are an absolute cinch to take. So if you simply need more vitamin B and iron, don't wait. Start taking ironized yeast tablets right away, tonight. Then see if pretty quick you aren't saying, Boy, oh boy, I feel swell. Tired? Jittery? Not me. Not put on pounds. That ironized yeast sure is great stuff. Now, back to Lights Out and our story of He Dug It Up. The stone coffin has fallen and the old housekeeper is dead. Ah, it's a cruel thing, Mr. Jeffrey. Cruel indeed. Yes. Cruel and yet not cruel. For the ways of the divine providence are beyond our poor mortal understanding. Yes, I shall say that very thing over her grave when we bury the poor woman. As you wish, Reverend. Ah, what a day this has been. More excitement in just a few hours in this village than we've had in a dozen years. I wonder now whether... Ah, almost nine. Well, I'd better be getting back to the church. Have to get everything ready for the service tomorrow. Uh, did you speak to Mr. Carboy about the coffin? Yes. That's good. We'll pay the good lady proper respect, we will. Well, I'll be on my way. Good night, Reverend. Oh, good night. Uh, uh, one thing more, Mr. Jeffrey. Yes? Uh, I didn't want to speak of it uh, in all the excitement before, but I feel I really should. Yes, Reverend? I know you were in quite an emotional state of mind, but do you feel it was quite the proper and respectable thing to do? I mean, having that Roman antique brought right here into the house, when it, uh, inanimate thing though it be, was the direct cause of poor Mrs. Grace's death. I wanted the sarcophagus in here, Reverend. Wanted it? But what possible use could that great stone sepulchre be to you? Oh, I realize it has certain intrinsic value. After the funeral, we'll get in touch with the proper museum authorities in London and have them take care of it. But don't you see, it wasn't quite respectful of the dead, bringing the very thing in here that had caused the tragedy. Not respectful at all, Mr. Jeffrey. It was what I wanted. Good night, Reverend. Uh, but, Mr. Jeffrey, I... I oh. Uh, good night. Uh, good night. Disrespectful. Hmm. No fault of Mr. Coffin that she ran under it. Call in the proper authorities. I'm proper authority in Roman things myself, I am. Read the whole Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire, didn't I? I certainly did. Here you are, Mr. Coffin. Just where I made them put you. And I did make them, didn't I? Ran right under you, she did. Superstitious old fool. No fault of yours, Mr. Coffin. Yes, you're a big one. Let me see. Uh, about ten feet long on this side and... and 
forward, this way. Ah, it's a discovery that ought to make history that it ought. Wait for experts, should I? What would the experts do? Cart you off to one of those museums and there I'd be, uh, the man that found you, with nothing but a hole in my garden and a new grave in the cemetery to show what had happened. No. No. I'd be my own expert, Mr. Corbett. I'll open you up myself right now. And I'll take the blame or credit and no mistake about it. Yeah, I am barred. Mm. Mr. Robinson will wonder where his crowbar went. Now, won't he, Mr. Coffin? But we'll give it back to him in the morning. Yes, indeed. Yes. Got you wide open enough to look inside now, haven't I? Experts. I'll show them. Mr. Coffin, I'll bend over to see what you've got inside. Copy. Cut off. Are you there? Are you there? Uh, uh, Reverend, uh, this is uh, Mr. Jeffrey. Yes, 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 Jeffrey. No, 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 no. Uh, listen to me. That Roman sarcophagus, I just opened it. Inside of it, there's something, a woman, and yet... Yet it isn't. I, I, I mean, all oh, Reverend, come over quickly. You see, whatever it is, I don't think it's dead. But my dear Mr. Jeffrey, you must listen to me. I'm a person of understanding, of judgment. I say leave it alone. Don't go near the thing until they get here. Now, I phoned Dr. Thompson at the British uh, Museum. He's an expert, expert, a qualified expert. Expert. There you go, experting again. Now, 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 now you shove on that side and I'll pull on with this. Yes. There, there. Now, that ought to fetch the lid off. Well, it's all against my better judgment. All right. All right. Off with it. She goes. Another shove. Open it. We've got it open. Reverend. In Satan's name, is it? Lion's head. That's it, a lion's head. And, and the body of a woman. And alive. She is alive. Don't be a fool. It's a heathen idol, stone. No, no, it's living skin. I'll touch it. I'll prove it. Ah. It is stone. And a blasphemous heathen thing. We'll cover it up, and in the morning, I'll have it buried again. No, no, no. No, you won't. It's fine. Found it on my property. Oh, heaven forgive you. The blood of your poor housekeeper still staining it. Staining it? What are you talking about? Mrs. Grace's blood. See, it's still on it. But... But the outside of the coffin fell on her. This part was closed. But it is blood. Fresh blood. Oh, it can't be out here. <gasps> Mr. Jeffrey. Reverend. That woman. A minute ago, I felt cold stone... And now it's warm. Constable, constable.
Constable, can't you walk any faster? Oh, it'll wait, Reverend. Whatever it is, it'll wait. But I tell you, he acted like a madman. Practically threw me out of the house bodily because I persisted... Now, wait a minute, Reverend. Begging your pardon, wait a minute. Me, I don't know a thing about this. I'm sleeping as peaceful as a sheep in the fields when you wake me up. Will you represent the law in this community? But begging your pardon, I don't know that there's any representing to do. If you get what I mean. But I told yes, you... Yes, sir, you told me that the coffin that killed poor Mrs. Gracie... He opened it, I tell you. And since when is that against the law? Oh, keep walking, man, keep walking. Begging your pardon, Reverend, I know when I'm walking. Now, 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 here's the house. Now go in there, go in there and see for yourself. And that's just what I'm going to do, sir. You'll see, you'll see. I demand that you remove the heathen idol by force and have it bedded in the ground where it belongs. I demand... Hold it, sir. Well... It's me, Mr. Jeffrey. I didn't send for you. I brought him here. Oh, it's you, is it? And now, Mr. Jeffrey, I feel it my duty. Uh, begging your pardon, Reverend. As long as you got me out of bed, let me do the talking, oh, if you well, don't mind, sir. Well. <clears throat> now, Mr. Jeffrey, I'd like a bit of an explanation. Explanation, my grandmother. Constable. Constable, he slammed the door in our faces. Oh, that he did, but, but what of it? He's broke no law that I know of. Then come, come and see for yourself. Eh? At the window. What? Uh, glory be. I see the thing now. It, it... It can't be alive. I don't know. I don't know. Stone, and yet, yet it was warm to the touch. It better not be alive. Why? Why do you say that? Because. Look for yourself. Mr. Jeffrey. He's cutting into her with that bit of iron. Come in and help me, Mr. Elton. Oh, uh, I'm right glad to be of service, I am. I'm glad to be of service, but this is devilish hard rock. Yes, yes, it is. But we've got to break the statue open, Mr. Elkington. We've got to. If you say so. Oh, those fools, the constable and the reverend, they'll be back soon with some new ideas about getting into the house now, won't they? I, I suppose so. But they won't stop me. They won't. I've a chance to do something before I die. Make a big discovery, I tell you. They, they won't stop me. We'll have the statue cut open before they get here now, won't we, Mr. I will try, I will yes, try. Yes, 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 yes. Cut it open and know the secret. Something that keeps that stone warm as if it were place. Ah, that'll be a wonderful discovery now, won't it? Ah, oh, that it will. Uh, yeah, faster, Mr. Stilkey, faster. I'll try, I'll try. Crikey, this stone is so hard. They mustn't stop us. No, 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 no. Faster, Mr. Elkington. Oh. Elkington. Why have you stopped? It's my fingers cramped. I can't open my hands. Chisel, give it to me. All right, all right. Got to keep working. Got to. I'll know the secret in you, Lionhead. That's the name I'm going to give her, Elkington, Lionhead. The power that's kept the stone in you warm all these centuries. I've got to know that, Lionhead. And I will know it. Have to keep working. Have to keep working. Now, Reverend. Reverend, you can drive a man too far. I tell you... No, the Constable, the... now we'll tell you. Uh, uh, For 24 hours, you've been telling the people of this community that the law won't permit you to do this and the law won't permit you to do that. Well, it won't. But we tell you we won't stand by and permit one of our citizens to indulge in heathen madness and not do something about it. Am I right, gentlemen? But, but what can I do? He's in his own home. He's not committing any public nuisance. We've gone over that a hundred times. 
the fact remains, you've got to go in there and stop him. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to. The hardest stone in the world. They made you uh, yes. Mr. Jeffrey, I'm asking you, please stop cutting into it. Please. of the warmth. Before any of the others knew about it. Before they stopped me. Hark, what's that? Not to keep working. That, that sound, Mr. Jeffrey, what is it? I can't talk to you, Mr. Arkington. Important work. But, uh, Mr. Jeffrey, the chisel, why did you drop it? My hand. Like an electric current running through the chisel. Oh, no. No, no, just... Just a weariness in my muscles. Pick up the chisel. Yes. Go on. I, I, yes. I, I think I'm going now, no, Mr. No, Jeffrey. no, no. You I, stay where you are. I, you stay until you stay there. If I lock the door for you, they will come in. And I won't let them in before I learn the secret. You hear me? Sound, Mr. Jeffrey. It's like something uh, burning. Do you hear? It's been getting louder and louder. Well, stop. I've got to find the secret of that warmth. Fifteen centuries of warmth. Mr. Uh, Jeffrey, it's the constable. I don't care. I don't care. Open up. Open up, Mr. Jeffrey. Uh, you, you won't stop me, you meddling fool. Open up, Mr. No. Jeffrey, in the name of the law. We've uh, got a warrant uh, this time, good and proper. Warrant? Oh, no, no. Oh, Mr. Jeffrey, you ought to really... No, 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 no. I'm almost finished. Go away. Go away. Dr. Fletcher Thompson from the museum. Mr. Jeffrey, I warn you. Open up or we'll break down the door. Mr. Jeffrey, I beg of you, please. No, 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 they won't stop me. I'm almost through. I tell you, I'm flattened, I am. broken through to the middle of my statue. Oh, no. I'll find out a secret and no one else... There. My chisel's breaking through. Uh, it's, it's, it's hollow. Breaking through. Uh, in a second, I'll know. In a second, I'll know. Uh, oh. Help! Somebody help! Mr. Jeffrey! What, Mr. Jeffrey? He's on fire! He's on fire! All right, all right, men, quiet down. Nothing more we can do. Mr. Jeffrey is dead. Such a horrible way to die. It was the lantern. Set him afire, I guess. No, 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 it wasn't that. Hey, what's say, Mr. Elkington? I saw it all. A flame came out of the statue. You're dead, man. No, I swear it's the truth. I saw it. Professor Thompson, you, you tell him. What did you see as you came through the door? There was a flame from it. But really, but how can that be? Flame from a statue. And the Romans went down to Egypt. Professor, tell us, what is it? What is this statue? The lioness-headed goddess Sekhmet. Well? And they worshipped her as the goddess of fire. Now, just a second, Mr. Obler. Are you asking us to believe that in the year of our Lord, 1940, they could unearth a stone sarcophagus containing a Roman fire goddess capable of burning a man to death? 
Oh, come now. Well, is that any more difficult to believe than that a small Austrian house painter with a comedy mustache could try to burn up a world? You know, Frank, England is an island full of mysterious traces of ancient civilizations. Have you ever heard of Stonehenge? Stonehenge? What's that? Well, it's a strange... <laughs> but I'll tell you about that in just a moment. And ladies and gentlemen, I'll take that moment to remind you, if simply because of vitamin B and iron shortage, you're unattractively thin and nervous, unable to eat or sleep as you should, seldom feeling really peppy and alive, then for your own sake, try ironized yeast tablets. They cost but a few pennies a day. What's more, they're sold on a money-back basis. Listen, if you don't quickly begin to eat and sleep better, to feel much stronger and livelier, and if you're not convinced that ironized yeast will help you gain pounds of brand new flesh, the cost of the first bottle will be refunded to you in full by ironized yeast, Box IY, Rahway, New Jersey. Just be very sure you get the one and only ironized yeast with IY on the package and on each tablet. And now, Mr. Obler, you were about to tell us... Yes, about Stonehenge. Over in England, miles away from the cities, you're driving along, and suddenly as you come over a rise of the road, there are these tremendous archways and monuments of stone, a strange semicircle of great stone pillars. Archaeologists say they've been there since prehistoric times, yet there are no stone quarries within hundreds of miles. No one knows how those blocks of stone got there and who or what put them there. These unsolved mysteries from out of mankind's past, who knows but that someday traces of our own civilization will be found, and then a super race of man will ask, were they men, these people of 1943? And now, what happens next week, Mr. Obler? Well, we were talking about a little Austrian house painter before, uh, Schickelgruber by name. Now, we all know how his warped ideas shook a world. Well, next week's story is about a boy, a college boy who also had a twisted idea, and with it, twisted a universe. The title, Oxychloride X. The time, next week. Yes, Lights Out will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen to Arch Obler's Oxychloride X and... If you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try ironized yeast, the one and only ironized yeast, with the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is later than you think. A smooth, comfortable shave. That's what you want from a shaving cream. And brother, that's what you get with Mole Brushless Shaving Cream. Mole forms a protective film between your skin and your razor. Gives your razor something to ride on. Helps guard your face against nicks and cuts. The result? A smooth, comfortable shave. So get Mole, M-O-L-L-E, Mole Brushless Shaving Cream. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Okay. Uh, from the semi-warped mind of Arch Obler, uh, he was 34 years old when this show was written. He also said at the beginning, and I caught it right away myself, that he had a cold. Didn't quite sound like him. He sounded very nasally. So if you're familiar with Arch Obler's voice, yeah, he had a cold when he was <laughs> doing this one. But like it was, live radio, the show must go on. All right. We'll be back on Tuesday 
with a different type of Arch Obler show. You notice in this one he mentioned Adolf Schickelgruver, a.k.a. Hitler, and uh, all that. Well, in the early 40s, when Lights Out was, was running, uh, Arch Obler used the program on several occasions to write very much um, pro-America, pro, um, pro-war, anti-Hitler type programming. But uh, on Tuesday, when we come back with the next episode, you're going to hear one from 1940 in which it's completely and totally anti-war. It's a show called Johnny Got His Gun starring Jimmy Cagney. And um, Cagney does a tour de force on this and I think won a bunch of awards for it. Uh, It's a very famous program, but it quickly became not so famous when the Japanese dropped the uh, bombs on Pearl Harbor and America went to war and Arch Obler changed his tune a little bit and became a super patriot. So uh, you heard a bit of the super patriot Arch Obler, and now next week you're going to hear the anti-war Arch Obler. So, okay, join us next Tuesday for that. And until then, this is John Tefteller in the Good Old Days of Radio Show saying thanks for listening and see you then. (laughs) 